And then I was like, oh, she probably doesn't get. Did you hear that? I heard like a growl or something. Okay. It was my windshield wipers. They're they're that good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Are we ready? Hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Missed Opportunities by Your Little Sisters Productions. I'm Taya. I'm Laura. And today we are uh, just going to kind of go through movies, like, through the ages, I think, and just kind of see. We've noticed a lot of trends that we like or dislike, and old movies versus new movies. What do we like about old movies? that we can bring into new movies what do we love about new movies that old movies didn't have all that kind of stuff so we'll just kind of start off um what first of all (laughs) what is an old movie to you because I've been you know hanging out with too many Gen Zers who are like or like Gen Alpha I guess I don't know whoever the little kids are right now talking about how like Jurassic Park is just so old you know like it's just a super old movie and I'm like yeah no that's not that that's not an old movie (laughs) so So, what's an old movie for you so I grew up with parents who were born in the 50s and loved 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 musicals and old movies from the 30s to the 50s then I took a college course in college of course (laughs) I did not mean to rhyme that I took a college course about film, and so we started at the very beginning of film, which was before 1900, just about, if I remember correctly. It was a long time ago, this college. But film started in 1900, and uh-huh. so I consider old movies to be 1950 and back to the beginning of film, personally. That is my category of old movies, and then there's, especially because movies kind of change between that's really when you got a new era of I think you got color more often in film and on TV yeah for sure more rough and tumble kind of movies you got anyway and then of course we come to the 90s and early 2000s which is when I was a kid so I consider those childhood movies and then and then everything else is new so to hear that Jurassic Park is old to me, especially because I think the dinosaurs in that movie hold up pretty darn well as far as um, what are the special effects go with what they had. I think and even with what we had today, they did a pretty good job. I like special effects. You know what? Let's talk about special effects for a second since we're, <laughs> since we're talking about Jurassic Park. Special effects, when before a lot of the computer technology came out, had to be practical, on-set things you did or tricks with the camera. Right. Such as, oh, we're flying over a city, you're seeing a city, and it's really the camera panning over a little tiny model of a city. Or they, they made little model ships for Star Wars and such. And then you see them flying and again it's a tiny little model made to look like it's big in space same thing with Jurassic Park they made a giant yes they did same thing for Jaws which I've never seen Jaws but I do know that they made the shark and there were all sorts of issues with it because it had to be able to go under 
Yes. They made it. And so I actually like having special effects where you had to think about how are we going to be able to pull this off practically or with tricks or anything. I I also like that we are able to do so many little sorry that practical special effects on the that we're getting more advanced with that because it means that storytellers don't have to feel limited by what is possible but I feel as though people are there are certain studios of it and get lazy with other aspects of storytelling I would agree with that and I mean I have definitely ranted on this podcast about how much I don't like CGI when CGI is not done well, especially in a, any of our um, any of our regular listeners know, especially from the beginning when we did Star Wars and the prequels, the prequels came out roughly about the same time as like the Jurassic Park uh, and, and and movies like that. Um less than 10 years apart and um, other movies that came out that time. Um, I've, I've heard people say, Oh, the effects um, were good for that time. No, they weren't. <laughs> like <laughs> if you were not around when the prequels um, were in theaters, they were not good special effects. Like everybody complained about the special effects of them um, uh, at that time, because it wasn't the fact that, they weren't the best special effects. It wasn't the best CGI. It was the fact that it was so much CGI that it really, like, you, it was not immersive at the time, especially because you had, like, Star Wars where they built the ships and they had people in costumes walking around and things like that. They did not make a single, single Stormtrooper outfit for the prequels. All of them were CGI. Everything about it was CGI. And it was very obvious what was CGI even back then. Like a lot of the times um, we look at CGI from back in the day and we're like, oh, wow, that's really bad special effects. We've come so far. Um, But at the time, we didn't realize it. I feel like everybody at the time knew that the prequels used way too much CGI. And it, like you said, they lost a lot of the storytelling because there wasn't like, they weren't believable characters. They were cartoon characters that you were in that we saw actors interacting with. And that um, has, and I think that's just gotten worse really (laughs) Um, throughout the ages. It's just gotten worse. And I think that's why we talked about it before when we were talking about Thor and um, adaptations was Top Gun Maverick which is the movie that just came out and they had no CGI it was all and they had no green screen and the actors had to actually learn how to fly jets and they had to go up and they had to film all of their um all of their shots by themselves and then land the plane And then the director would look at all of the footage and be like, okay, you did this wrong. Go up again, (laughs) you know, like, or whatever it was. And I really feel like that, that is the extreme to where you are paying actors to take flight school, you know, when, but that's how much, like, that's how 
badly we as a society wanted a movie without special effects, like without computer animation, is that they actually paid actors to fly planes, you know? I've heard, I really, really, really want to see Top Gun Maverick. I mean, I wanted to see if we could see it tomorrow, but things have not panned out for us to see it. If we can see it this next week, is it still in theaters? I think so. Hopefully, because I'm trying really hard to get a see I don't know if it will be at the time that this podcast comes out. If not, I'm sure tons of streaming services will have it. But as of now, as of the time of recording, I do think it is in theaters. I so. really hope so. I really want to see it. I really, and I, I want to see it in theaters. theaters. And I was really worried about motion sickness because I knew that they didn't CGI the stuff. And I was, um, due to the circumstances in which I saw the movie, I was very close to the front of the theater. And I was like, I am going to get so sick. Like, ugh. but no, it, it, I did not get any motion sickness. It was very well done. So I, I highly recommend it. That's good because I also get tend to get motion sick easily. So I'm glad that to know that I didn't even think of that. Honestly, I was just thinking how cool it was. Just like you said, we're so starved for entertainment. That's not completely CGI. And that has real depth to it. Real. Another thing that old movies had, not every single actor in every single movie was always fantastic that's true but because they couldn't rely on special effects they couldn't rely on a lot of stuff they didn't have they didn't do a lot of trippy stuff with the camera the camera sat and it watched you you had to be good at what you were doing Uh, i'm not saying that there were bad actors i'm sure there were bad actors (laughs) in older (laughs) movies and bad dancers and bad singers those always exist in the entertainment world but the camera sat and you had to be good at what you were doing you had to engage people with the story with your acting more so than today when you go to watch movies that have a lot of explosions and cgi and fight scenes and we're just so i am so overwhelmed i i'm a big nerd i always have been i like marvel i like star wars i like a lot of other really nerdy things lord of the rings with Okay, Lord of the Rings, they shot in New Zealand. They built set. They hiked. Some of them hiked to the top of the mountains. Others took helicopters. Er, uh, Viggo Mortensen, who played Aragorn, basically turned himself into Aragorn. During the filming, he would hike in costume to get that rugged look. The guy who played Boromir hiked because he was terrified of helicopters and everyone else took a helicopter. But they filmed on in the place that they felt embodied or looked like Middle Earth the best, and they built sets, and they did as much as they could in person. I mean, Vico almost died because he had a knife that was not a prop thrown at his head, and it's, he swipes the sword. You see it in the movie. That knife was supposed to be a prop knife, or maybe it wasn't supposed to be thrown at all. Something happened where a real knife was thrown at his face, and he swipes it away. And Kevin's, he was holding the sword, and then Kevin's, he had tried good it was not so to be thrown near him supposed to be thrown near him but it went straight out yeah yeah it was it was supposed to be like go behind him or something and it went right and he had good reflex reflexes thank heavens i could go on and on about behind the stuff 
Lord of the Rings, not just about Viggo Mortensen, but he has the best stories. <laughs> yeah, like um, when Orlando Bloom being in all of his, all of the stuff in the minds of Moria, you only see one side of his face because the other side was bruised and <laughs> swollen. Poor Viggo Mortensen and Orlando Bloom, he bruised or broke, or he did something to his ribs as well. Then how to go horseback riding, poor guy. Anyway, but. You compare Lord of the Rings, how that was shot and how what we've talked about. It's not the best adaptation because it's not the truest to the books in that sense. But it's a very good adaptation in terms of they kept the themes alive. As right. someone who I read, I haven't read all three books. I only have the first reason. I don't know why I only have the first two. So I haven't read the third one yet. And I know the differences, at least for one and two. And I still really, really love the movies and think they're a good adaptation. But then you look at The Hobbit, not only is it a bad adaptation because they they take the Hobbit story, the story from The Hobbit, and they, I mean, it's in there. But they also add a bunch of other stuff from, I, want, I think you know how to pronounce it, some similarian, similarian. Thank you. I don't know how to it. But they also made the actor who plays Gandalf, Ian McClellan, McKellen? McKellen, yeah. Cry. He is a professional. He's been in acting, I think, for 40 years or so now. He's marvelous. He cried because they put him on a green screen himself in a scene that's supposed to be him and all the dwarves and Bilbo. It's supposed to be them in Bilbo's house. And can eating can you imagine can you imagine going from what they did with Lord of the Rings, where they played with so much force perception in order to get Frodo and Bilbo and all of the um, hobbits, like they had doubles, like they did everything to practically have them in the same shot. And so that um, all the actors had somebody to talk to. They didn't have to um, green screen anybody in. I mean, they did have to work with green screens, but typically it was, they were still doing it together. And so they yeah. green screen actors into the set rather than one actor is in the set and one actor is green screen, which is what they did in the Hobbit. <laughs> like it just everything was green screen and CGI in the Hobbit. Everything that could be was, including and... one of the characters was just it wasn't even a human. It was just full CGI. One of the dwarf general. I've only seen them through maybe twice in my life, and the second time was only because I had a friend who really, really loved the movies. And I respected her and I was hanging out at her place. So I, of course, said, yeah, we can watch them. But I don't like the Hobbit movies. And I, I think a lot of it has again. to do with that. But I, yeah, when that, when that general guy comes on, I remember thinking just like, am I, and I've, I've spoke on this before in the podcast, like my brother is like the ultimate, like that CGI, that CGI, that's, you know, like he's one of those people that can see CGI like a mile away. I was like watching it and I was like, oh my goodness, like this is how he feels all the time. <laughs> like that is not a person like this is so bad. Like, I don't know. I, I, uh, I have a hard time with the Hobbit as well because there's some amazing actors in that movie and there's some oh, yeah. amazing special effects in that movie. And they do have a lot of touching storytelling moments, but I really feel like the CGI killed it for me as well as it being so far from the book. And a lot of the story doesn't actually make sense. And then yeah. you just, you like rather than like, so the 300, horses that they uh, got in New Zealand and then they just um, they had them do the whole scene with 300 horses and then they cropped you know 
um, that 300, they like do, you know, copy paste, <laughs> duplicated that, that to make the armies. When you mm-hmm. go from that, working that hard to get 300, like that's a huge amount of people and horses to organize together, get into costume, make them all look authentic and realistic, and then shoot with all of that going on. Like to go from that to literally watching it was like watching a computer game to me like all of the armies are cgi all of the characters that aren't lead characters are cgi and then the practical effects that they did have were were awful a lot of them like um the dwarves (laughs) were not like uh who is it richard armitage who is a gorgeous man and love him (laughs) he plays Oh, who's the main dwarf Thorin. guy? Thorin. He plays Thorin. He couldn't move his fingers because of the gloves that they put them in because they wanted him to have dwarf-like hands. And he couldn't move his fingers. He couldn't do anything. And I'm just like, this made it into the final cut of the movie. Like, uh, I don't know. I had a really what? hard time. I have not seen him in a long time. Maybe they aged well. And I'm just being really critical. We're always more critical on movies than <laughs> we, we think we're going to be. But That's yeah, true. so that is definitely something like if you watch, I know a lot of people who don't like old movies and the reason why they don't like old movies, um, one is because they didn't have the 11 second rule back then. They didn't know that that was a thing. Um, if you don't know what that is, um, you can't stay on a camera, uh, a camera angle for longer than 11 seconds. Otherwise the audience will think that it's boring. Um, Which so is 11 seconds. because you say that they didn't know that back then yet people with the movies were entertained by movies that had longer than 11 seconds and I still watch very old movies with longer than 11 second holds and I don't find them boring so they didn't have right. that right back then not it's not that they didn't know it's that they didn't have it I think it's because our attention spans have got look at tiktok yeah, people's attention spans are so extremely limited. And before TikTok, there was Vine. Uh huh. Yeah, Vine, and then and now YouTube has Shorts. I think Instagram has Reels, which are basically Shorts. And I think it has to do with everyone's attention span going down. If you don't entertain me at this exact right moment with something grand or intriguing. I'm going to leave. And that's true for everything, not just movies and videos on the internet. Oh, baby is crying. Wait me one second. Okay. Hopefully that's an easy edit for you, Taya. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, but our attention spans are going down. And I think that is contributing to movies being, trying to, they're trying to add in more special effects and everything because they are trying to keep up with the shortening of people's attention spans. Right. Well, and and, and it started, um, I think they figured out the 11 second rule in like the six, like in the probably the, the 70s, 80s or the 70s. That yeah. makes sense because the, the first film class took what up to the 50s and then after that it was 60s and on and there was a big difference, very palpable difference in film which is not bad I'm not saying it was the worst thing it was just they learned a lot of techniques at that time yeah well and and it 
going to the movies became more and more popular because more and more people could afford it. And um, more and more people were spending money on entertainment as opposed uh, as opposed to other things because of, you know, world events. Um, but I think the thing that I like about old movies, um, one, I like, I like the storytelling of a lot of them. And I like the, I'm, I'm a big fan of going like a, a story with a purpose, whatever that purpose is, as long like, I don't like right now people do sort of slice of life, um, stories that either they I feel like they're pointless because it's like it doesn't have a satisfying ending and I feel like any story that is worth telling has some sort of uh satisfying ending and I watched a movie um the other day that was it's about this you know and it tells you up front this is not a love story and then it tells you the story of this guy falling in love with this girl and then she breaks up with him and then um, because she doesn't ever want to get married. And then um, at the end, uh, he's alone and depressed and sad because he has to get over this girl that he loved that dumped him. And then it turns out she is getting married to someone else. And um and she marries that somebody else. And she's like, I realized that like all those things that you were telling me about like love and how um, love really matters and relationships um, are great. They just weren't with you. And I found this other guy that I have fallen in love with. And then the story ends with him finding another girl to, to date. And I'm just like, I feel like what is the point of that story? See, I don't mind that. But I mean, like, I, I, the I, I completely understand what you're saying. I, I really, but I, I understand point, it, like, but I don't mind it. No, but to me, the problem isn't like, I think from if the story was from her perspective, it would make sense. Like, I would be like, okay, that's a story worth telling because she goes through a personal growth of, you know, falling in love with someone, but realizing that she doesn't want the same things and then not believing in love. And then she figures out with somebody else, like, hey, I, you know, like her growth makes sense. His growth and the story is from his perspective. It doesn't make sense. It's not a story worth telling because it doesn't have a satisfying ending because it's the beginning of his story. You know what I mean? Like, and that is something that is new now that everybody really likes and everybody loves that. Um, that people don't like the cliched happy ending anymore. And I love the cliched happy ending. And I think that you should come up with new and different ways <laughs> to have the cliche happy ending rather than get rid of all ending yeah. and just end it in the middle. You know what I mean? Like the, that story didn't end. It was like, like it was her story told from his perspective, you know? started after for example if you and I were to come up with a story idea that story idea we from her perspective or to start the movie at the ending of that movie and go forward with him learning and growing with his new relation yeah we would have done one of those two things I guess see I thought 
the reason I originally said I don't mind it is because I was thinking, okay, well, he had some time to learn and grow on his own, but it sounds, I haven't seen this movie, but it sounds from what you're saying is she's the one who learns and grows, but we're stuck watching him going through any sort of growth process, which is boring to watch. And why do you watch someone not grow? Well, what it is, is you watch somebody fall in love and then get dumped and you see them go through the grieving process of being dumped and then when they think they're finally going to get back with that person that person is in love with someone else like I don't I don't want to watch that <laughs> you know like see, because I still don't it, it as much explain it the more I, I see it and I completely understand your point I just don't mind it as much I get, yeah. I'd have to see it myself though to truly know maybe I would watch it and I'd be as angry or more angry than you well, and I think that everybody has their opinions, but I think like that theme of like, they don't have to have a satisfying ending. They don't have to have a happy ending. They don't even have to have a tragic ending. They don't even have to have an ending. <laughs> like they don't have to, like, I feel like it's lazy storytelling to just end something in the middle of the story, the middle of the character growth, the middle of the conflict, the middle of the action. I don't think that that is a story worth telling. And that's a lot of stories nowadays. It's not, and, and I picked that one just because it, you know, came to mind, but yeah. there's, that is such a trend <laughs> nowadays of like, Oh, we don't need a happy ending. Happy endings are cliche and they're not realistic. I hate that. I hate when people are like, it's not realistic that everything ends up happy. Yes, it is. Like how many people are married and like that was the end of their love story or like how many people have had children and found like, that's a happy ending. How many people have been had uh, failures in um, business and then they become successful? That's a happy ending. <laughs> like how, like every like the way that people say like happy endings aren't realistic bothers me because that's not true. And if it was true, like our nobody would be successful nobody would be happily married nobody would have children and happy families and nobody would be uh living their dreams nobody uh would follow their dreams if nobody achieved their dreams then nobody would follow their dreams like we've talked about it before like lindsey sterling and uh post malone and people who you know had success doing something that was weird and different and completely new, like so many people have been successful and that is their happy ending. You know, like I, I get if you don't want to have like everybody in a relationship and you don't want the, the marriage happy ending, but there are other ways to have happy endings and it is a real thing. Like it is a real uh, part of life. And I so think, it bothers me when people don't like happy endings for that specific reason. You know what I mean? Beside, I agree with you. I want to say that first and foremost, I completely agree with you. People do have happiness in life, endings, middles, beginnings. There's happiness to be had in life because look around, there are people being able to do what they love or with people they love, etc. I also think that even if that weren't true, not every, obviously we couldn't have no one being happy because society would just crumble and no one would be doing anything. But say that it's not realistic. Wouldn't you want that in entertainment as something to aspire to, to inspire people to, to do the thing 
to go after happiness. Currently living in a time when people are very down and hopeless and maybe they like these sort of stories that don't really have happy endings or endings at all because of where they are mentally and emotionally and and help maybe it makes them feel better to feel as though someone else out there feels the way they do maybe they just can't stand to watch what they think is unrealistic for their lives however untrue that is because of their mental or emotional well-being at the time and maybe that's why it's becoming it's like the I'm not current going on, but when I was a teenager, it was the emo and the goth scene mm-hmm. sort of a thing taking over. And I'm not saying it's a phase because mental illness is definitely a thing, but you see a lot of mental illness right now in people. That could be a whole other discussion of why I think that. <laughs> but I think it's following the trend of people's mindsets and feelings. And I think it's sad if that's where their mindset and feeling is. I don't mind that movie if it were done, if it were one movie out of a 10 or 12 or 15 or 20, 25, if it were once in t- someone decided to do something artsy and clever in their mind and that movie. But if that is becoming the norm, then that does bother me. I didn't well, realize I- it was becoming the norm. I a lot of new movies right now, honestly, except I really want to see Top Gun Maverick. And I did see the new Thor movie, but I think I'm done with Marvel for a while too much well and I think like back in the day um that's what that's what stories were for was to inspire people or um and that like that was really popular in movies uh like even like if you look at the way the acting was expected to be like an acting an actor from the 50s couldn't you know time travel to 2022 and be taken seriously But the same can be said for an actor taken from 2022 and taken back to the 50s and wanting to get in movie roles, they would not make it. And the reason is because the expectation was very different because in old movies, specifically like 50s and 60s and stuff, the the heroes were meant to be a certain way and infallible and inspiring and something that you could look up to. And so... Uh, the acting was acting, you know, it was, they had, they had the, um, what is it? Transcontinental accent or whatever it's called. <clears throat> the transatlantic accent where they all kind of spoke a little bit. Uh, almost British. Proper. But not quite. Yeah. Like almost British, way more proper than normal that they would normally speak. And that was how it was presented as it was it took you out it was a fantasy world i remember um i think it was guns and roses i don't know but when nirvana a band the band nirvana became really really big hair bands and rock and rollers were really surprised that people liked the grunge um and this because the sad lyrics and you know the talking about the horrible way they felt and they're like music is supposed to be an escape and not something that you not it's not supposed to tell you how you feel right now it's supposed to tell you hey I don't want to feel the way that I feel in my normal life I'm going to listen to some rock music and I'm going to feel better whereas Nirvana was all about and and grunge and the grunge movement that Nirvana was part of um was like 
let's sit here in our feelings and feel them more. And that was a big shift in music. And I feel like it didn't just happen in music. (laughs) It happened in all entertainment. We went from escapism, you know, you go to the movies to be inspired, to escape from real life, to um, have fairy tales that make you think, yay, like good things can happen to, you know, sad little poor people like me, you know, like that type of thing to, now it's not okay to tell people to follow their dreams it's not okay to tell people that dreams come true it's not okay to tell people to want to fall in love or to be in love um because it might not happen so we can't we we have to steer away from it and I don't know I feel like I find that heartbreaking because I one I do like escapism I don't feel the need to relate to characters. And and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just what mood you're in. And I'm, I'm glad that there's both, you know, but I feel like the trends from old movies to new movies, there's definitely trends going towards like, it used to be indie movies, but now it's like big popular movies are going towards that where it's not in, like, you're not inspired to do anything. You're not, looking forward to anything you're not happy that you went and saw that movie and you're not like satisfied with this good story that was beginning middle end and now it's done you know like instead you go you watch somebody be depressed and go through this really hard thing and they survive so it's cool but that you know, like it, it it's not an ending it's not a it's not a story in the story's sense it's a slice of life but it's like a crappy life, you know? And I, I kind of see like we've gotten to a peak and I really hope that, especially with like Maverick being just a good movie, you know, it's got really intense scenes and it's got kind of boring scenes, you know, like it's, it's just a good movie. And I think with it being so successful, hopefully studios get the hint that we just want good stories. We just want good movies, you know? And that's like, I mean, I can't even think of another one, another movie that has come out in the last like five years that I can say was a really well-told story, you know? And I, I mean, like, I really liked Uncharted. I thought that was cute, but it ends in a way that it definitely needs a sequel, you know, like it's, it's meant to be part of a series and it's not the greatest told story. It doesn't really have like a great happy ending. It just has like, Oh, that's great. Like, cool. Glad things didn't, you know, you know, (laughs) glad all the bad things that really could have happened didn't happen. Only half of them did, you know? So I'm like, I'm not saying that there's all of the movies are bad that have come out. I'm just saying it's hard for people who want to go to the movies for escapism or want to go to the movies for inspiration or to not have to deal with that, that there's just not a lot of options out there right now. And there's so many options of movies that are just depressing, I guess, is is my thought. A lot of people think of them as thought provoking. They don't really, I don't know. Not everything has to be thought provoking. So you reminded me of something the how do I explain it people who are very intellectual who want everything to be thought-provoking and can't just be entertained because it's a waste of your time everything has to be thought-provoking it's usually 
pretty depressing thoughts because for some, whatever reason, people think that that sounds smarter right. than happier thoughts. And it kind of ties in with, I feel depressed. And so I want to go and go be depressed kind of a thing. There's a connection there, in my opinion. I really love old movies. I've been, maybe it's because all the new movies coming out, I haven't been a huge fan of. I've been wanting to watch and have been watching older movies and older series lately. Older means some, like I've been watching, be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is a childhood, and Angel, which I actually, I thought I had gotten further than I had, but I'm in season three of Angel and I don't remember anything. <laughs> so. But I, I also watched a Judy Garland movie the other day. I want to start watching more older shows and movies because and it's not exactly nostalgia. It's because I'm so craving something that's not a Marvel movie or a Star Wars or something that's going to be just really depressing. Life is hard sometimes. And we shouldn't shy away from showing that in entertainment. But at the same time, life is hard. Real life is hard. So shouldn't we have some sort of escapism at some point? Give our brain to rest? Too much stress constantly on the brain is not good. Entertainment allows you to go to a place and not have that stress for a time. And in that rest time, you're able to find more solutions to your problem more easily because your brain isn't completely freaking out on you. You might think of some stuff. It's kind of like the shower thoughts when you're in the shower and you're showering and you have all these really great thoughts and ideas and everything. It's because you're distracted. Really, you're doing something with your body, but your mind is free to wander. And showering isn't really seen as something that's the most stressful thing in the world. Sometimes it's hard to get up and go shower if you're in a really bad place, but for the most part, when you're in the shower, nice, it's relaxing, it takes your mind off things, and you think about stuff. Nowadays, we're so attached to our phones, we constantly have stuff. Not the best at being away from my phone. I, I have found days when I am. I don't listen to stuff constantly from my phone. I'm a lot happier than the days when I do my phone. And it's because my brain gets a break. And I feel as though that's one of entertainment's jobs. You have serious stuff in, in entertainment. That's perfectly fine. But what happened to just having something that's fun and just good and inspiring? What's wrong well, with that? We, we talked about it um, last time with like Disney. Disney can't just do something well. And then move on to do another something well. They have no, to, they have to if they do anything that's successful, they have to squeeze it and they have yes. to get every ounce of money they can out of it until people yeah. are sick of it. It's like the Pirates of the Caribbean. Like oh, I yeah. absolutely adore that first movie. I think it was so well told and it was so incredibly just well done. And the practical effects of it, the CGI that's in it, like is just <laughs> Like, it's like I can understand they didn't go out and get talking skeletons and try and figure out how to do that. They did CGI the skeletons, but yeah. I was okay with it because they used, like, they, they actually had people and then they had them uh, motion capture 
yes, there is CGI in it, and but it was still a well-told story. But then there was the second one, and then it well, wasn't that great. And then there was the third one, and they kind of character assassinated a couple of people. And then there was the fourth one, and the fifth one, and the bajillionth of them. And you're just like, this was so good. Like, why do you have to ruin something that is so good? And I feel like they do that with so many things now. Like, yeah, I, they're doing it with I'm Marvel like, and Star Wars as we speak. It's horrible. Yes. Marvel, I can tell you that my favorite film, other than, like, you know, you know my favorites. But, like, one yeah. of my all-time favorite modern movies was um, The Avengers. Avengers. Yeah. The very first, like the first Avengers movie where they, t- they were able to take all of those movies that were completely independently well done and culminate them. And then within that movie, tell all of the character stories so well and so subtly, it was so beautiful. And I loved, I loved that movie. When well, they hired they- the right person for it, Joss Whedon, we know the allegations against him. This is nothing on him as a person. This is on him as a storyteller. He, as a storyteller, is very, very talented at a big cast of characters and being able to introduce you to them, tell their story, and make it cohesive and well-told and leave you wanting. He did it with Firefly. He did it with Buffy. And he did it with the first Avengers film. And I I really love that film, and I think it was done good. But now, like, She-Hulk just came out, and they did Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and they did What If, and they, like, they have done so much. And it's, like, it's, oh, like, it went from, like, amazing to, okay, fine, that's good, good, sure, good. Yep, okay, that's still good. That's still good. That's okay. (laughs) You know, and I feel like they're they're in. That's okay. That's too much, too much. A little too much, a little, little, little too much. And then, you know, and then you end up with like Thor, uh, Love and Thunder, where it was just so out there. You end up with like the the series that they have on Disney Plus. Some of them are just not good. <laughs> I'm not going to name which ones, but like, you know, I just, I'm well, they're I'm going to the for point. quantity over quality because yeah. they just want to bring in money. They get all these stories out in the series. So, so my mom didn't watch WandaVision before she saw Doctor Strange 2. And I had told her, but she had forgotten what I told her because there was a big gap between me telling her what she needed to know and her actually seeing it. And isn't it so sad that you would have to watch a series, basically do homework, even though WandaVision, well, you know what, we'll talk about that at a later time. I had watched WandaVision <laughs> and then I saw Doctor Strange 2. But isn't it sad that you would have to watch WandaVision to truly understand a movie? Yeah. Where did we come from this world that, I mean, outside of movie series, it was always understood that you could just go see a movie. And just a movie. For example, going back to Buffy, you've been watching it a lot, but they had a movie. Buffy the Vampire Slayer has a movie before the series came out. They had a different actor, completely different actors, and it was in a different town than the show takes place. Then the show starts. It was very different. <laughs> I loved that movie when I was a kid. I've seen it a couple times. I want to see if I can find it again because talking about it makes me want to watch it again. See, just to remember. But the series starts and they reference things that happen in the movie. 
And that because of what happened in the movie, she had to move to Sunnydale and then she stays in Sunnydale for the duration of the series and they make the series a series. And what I liked about it is you didn't have to watch the movie to understand the show. They reference it, but not in a, oh, you you have to have seen the movie to understand that reference. She moved to Sunnydale because of something that happened at the end of the movie. And they say that. That's all the information you need to know from it. Nothing else matters. So they don't dismiss the movie. But they also don't make it so that it's your homework to watch and understand the series. Another well, movie and I think is... that that's oh, the sorry. same thing that... Sorry, I just, that's the same thing that Top Gun Maverick did. Is They have the flashbacks of what happened in the first movie. So, like, you don't have to have seen Top Gun to appreciate that movie. Because everything... That you need to, because it came out 30 years, like, I think it's like 30 year difference between one and two. So, like, they don't expect people to know the movie Top Gun. They tell you everything that you need to know for this movie. And you don't have to, you don't need, like, it's it's literally a sequel, but you don't even have to have seen the first movie to understand it. Because they they recognize that the first movie is there and they show flashbacks or they talk like they straight up explain it um, of what you need to know from the first movie. So anything that's relevant to this new movie is in there. You know what I mean? Like um, maybe there's some homage or something that I missed because I haven't seen the movie in 10 years, but I was not confused ever. I knew who everybody was. I understood the significance of everything because they told me. So that was my so I just wanted to say that like that's the same thing they did with Buffy the cat is on my car again dang it (laughs) (laughs) um they they did the same thing where and I think that that's good storytelling like if you're going to tell a sequel then you do it you still have to tell its own story and if you have to know something from the original then you reference it like I listened to um the Harry Potter books recently I try to listen to them like every summer it's kind of been a tradition for the past few years to re-listen to the Harry Potter books and I kind of get annoyed because I'm listening to them in sequence and then it'll it'll go through and be like (laughs) yeah Harry like the first time he saw this it was this happened and I'm like yeah I know I just read that But that great. is so me binging Buffy right now. Previously, I'm Buffy the Vampire. I know I've been watching it for three hours. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, but but it's nice because if I wanted, like, I used to when I had like my physical books um out, I just had like I had book five because I needed to buy it because um my mom had one through four and I needed five so I bought five and then I didn't live with my mom anymore so I just had five and then six was my favorite book so I bought six so I have five and six of Harry Potter in physical copy um but I could read both of those I could pick up six and I could read it and I wouldn't have to go back and remember all of the first five books because it it brought it up anything that was relevant to the story in Half-Blood Prince was there you know like anything that was relevant it, it explained and anything that wasn't relevant, I didn't need to know because it was its own story. So anyway, that's just, sorry, that was a whole other rant. <laughs> no, it all ties in really. We see, I'm really hoping that the entertainment industry, one, like you said, takes what Top Gun Maverick has done into consideration, but also kind of comes back full circle. We, we were talking about this, earlier not on the podcast just you and me 
how 90s fashion has come back and everyone says it fashion always makes comebacks it makes comebacks it's not the exact same thing from Mm -hmm. before but it makes a comeback so I'm hoping that movie telling movie telling storytelling style in movies also makes a comeback because one style or genre of movies that I really want but I am missing movies like the mummy Zorro action adventure movies that are good movies stories love stories you want to root for I haven't seen I mean Uncharted was fun don't get me wrong Uncharted was fun but it definitely had flaws that I if I could get my if I was in any way in charge of telling the story I would have wanted to go in and tweak a little bit but that's the closest thing as of this year or year before that I could think of that even somewhat steps close to the action that we used to get I think the closest we come is like family movies now like Sonic the Hedgehog or Sonic 2 yes Um, those are fun those are fun like those that's our like most listened to podcast is is that is uh Sonic the Hedgehog when we um did a deep dive review of it and I think it's it's just a good show (laughs) like and but it's like it's not an action adventure show it's definitely a kid's family movie with action you know it's a a video game turned movie and that is like that's where you have to go like you can't just go to a movie that's made for adults and have this really nice experience in the theater anymore it's like you're either deep thinking or there's so much action that the story lacks or there's so much comedy <laughs> that the story lacks and the plot lines are, you know, it's, um, I, I want to see the trends go more, you know, go back to the nineties or, you know, like, can you imagine if we had like the technology we have now and you have like the good nineties movies and that doesn't mean remakes. Like I'm so sick of remakes, but like, (laughs) but like if you actually just had a really good story and as like, I'm an author and I'm on book talk and I'm on BookTube, and I see all of these authors and all of these people telling amazing stories. Like you have so many creative people who could easily easily come up with an amazing script and a great story and then you give it to your screenwriters and they can you know like the fact that they are so out of good stories is appalling to me you know because I'm like I know just like on so many levels all of these great storytellers that could tell um stories like they did in the 80s or 90s or 50s or 60s or whatever um era of film you want to go to people can tell those stories or stories that are as good as that um now with the technology that we have now with the actors that we have now we expect so much from our actors and and a lot of them really live up to it like you could do that and they just don't <laughs> like they really just have not like no huge studio has figured out the formula of let's just do something really well. You know, like, let's just tell a story really well. I remember watching things about the Pirates of the Caribbean movie first. The first one is they called up one of the producers or someone and they're like, 
we want to do a pirate movie but like a really good pirate movie we hadn't had a really good pirate movie and so they just decided to go for it and just do a really good pirate movie and it's like that's what you need to do but just do one of them you don't have to do a bajillion like just do one and i i i'm so angry that during this like time of we as a culture the western culture um we accept so many uh creative people and we have so many creative minds that can easily like um come together and come up with amazing things like on tiktok they decided that they wanted to make ratatouille a musical and so they came up with amazing musical numbers that had to do with ratatouille and like they all sang it together and they got instruments and it just became like this huge thing and it's like those are the people that we have access to like anybody in the world has access to like like if you have internet you can get tiktok and you can watch those videos you have access to those people that you have access to those creative minds and yet you have to redo the same things over and over and over like and not even they want to yeah like and not even tell us out of saying story like you can't even t- get an ending out of anybody you can't have um really good serious moments and really funny uh like one-liners or anything like and having like you know a a character fall in love is some like at the end of a movie if you're a woman and you fall in love at the end of the movie then somehow you are diminished as a woman because you need a man like I I think like we were talking about the mummy I think Evie is an amazing character like she is such a strong woman and even when they went you know and did like a mummy two, three, and four, or whatever, like that they did, and they try to make her more masculine and stronger. And um, she's of ancient Egypt, and all that. even then, the best part about her was the fact that she was a silly librarian and who loved deeply and who was a headstrong person. She wasn't strong, like in the first movie, she wasn't beating up bad guys constantly or anything. But she was such a good character and such a strong woman. And she showed like you didn't you don't have to be like a warrior woman in order to be a strong woman. And you can fall in love and have a son and still be an adventuring, you know, Egyptologist or whatever she was like, I am a librarian, you know, like all of it was so I think that that like I like Evie's character more than any of the the heroines that we have now, like I'm trying to think of like, like look at Marvel, Captain Marvel. I really, we, we won't get into that, but I don't like her. <laughs> um, Black Widow. Everybody was so angry when she had a love story with Bruce. Like, I mean, angry that she had a love story or angry that it was with Bruce. Cause those are two different things. No, that right. she had a love story. That she had a okay. love story. I don't mind her having a love story. I minded her having a love story with Bruce. But I don't mind her having a love story. But that's why people are angry. With Hawkeye, to be fair. I didn't want her with Hawkeye. I don't know who I would have wanted her with. Maybe a new character. Yeah. I don't I don't mind the Bruce relationship at all. Make all that much sense to me, but that's well, yeah, I feel like during that phase of Marvel, they didn't really tell their story very well. 
No, so. it just came out of nowhere <laughs> all of a sudden. And I just didn't, if they had maybe tried to hint at it in earlier movies, which I think the only yeah. one that they were in together before Ultron was the first Avengers movie. Yeah. But it didn't really seem like that. She, he was the only one that she was truly afraid of because she knew she could get out of situations with any of the other Avengers, but him, when he turns into the Hulk, she's powerless. And then, of course, they gave her power over him, helping him tr- transition back from the Hulk and back into Bruce. So then he took away a bit of that fear. But yeah, I, I, don't know. I and and I remember um, Supergirl, the TV show on the WB. Um, she was obviously Supergirl, and she gets a love story. And I stopped watching after like. Um, I think like the second season, but she got a love story. And I remember reading like, like so much stuff online was like, the people were so angry that she had a love story. And I was just like, why? Like Superman has a love story. Like that didn't make him any less Superman because he was in love with Lois Lane. You know, <laughs> like, why are people upset about that? I I had a hard time with it, but um, I think that telling women is specifically women because I feel like it doesn't happen that much with men. People don't really care, but like specifically with women telling them that, you know, falling in love at the end of a movie at the end of a story is like somehow invalidating to like the awesomeness of a woman. I'm like, what movies are you watching? Like I grew up with very strong women who fell in love at the end of a movie and I had no problem with it like I never felt like or anybody that I knew I guess because I would not be the target audience for these you know for that but like anybody that I knew like it didn't diminish it like men didn't look down on the women in these stories because they ended up with the guy I think as long as it fits it makes sense you know and it's good then it's fine. I think there are movies like I didn't personally love the love story in Jurassic World because I don't think that those two actors really had very good chemistry. And so it felt very forced. But that was more like the storytelling than the actual like the issue of what it was. So it's like I can see like the fact that they end up together in at the end of Jurassic World was kind of weird because I really didn't see them. This is going to sound weird, but there's a connection. So something that I worked on with my, okay, two things, actually one, I am today without my husband falling in love, getting married to him, having him as a partner in my life has helped me become a better person way because he, because we are equal partners. And so we will tell each other, hey, you know, that reaction wasn't all that. We, we have each other's backs in front of people and behind people's backs too. But you know, he, we're not afraid to tell each other in private because we're not going to do anything in front of people. Hey, that wasn't the greatest thing. Or hey, that maybe you could have done that a little bit better or whatnot. But not in a critical way, not in tearing each other down. And I know you, I know you can do better. Or, I, you know, that might have been taken the wrong way. I don't think it came off the way you wanted it to. And he is so smart and strong in ways that I'm not and vice versa. And I know I've helped him as well. And I know having kids is definitely 
challenge, but challenges help you grow when you take them on. So that's one thing. But the second thing, one thing that he had, it was really weird when we were dating, engaged in the beginning of our marriage, is he didn't like to tell people good news that happened in his life or to let on how intelligent he is because he's very intelligent. Because he felt as though if he know i mean not in a braggy way let people know how but he would intentionally act dumb if someone brought something up that he knew about he pretended as though he about it because he said it it makes him feel good to explain things to people and to teach people and i said yes but could it would also feel good to have a conversation with someone who knows it about it and you could have a back and forth but also the good news and he didn't like telling people good news he didn't like telling people that we were engaged not because he doesn't love me or anything he said because they're not in a relationship i'm afraid that by telling them i am engaged that they will feel bad that they are not in a relationship themselves movies are going that way oh you're single you're depressed or you're going through depression or another mental illness or life is hard right now so if we show you happy make you feel worse about your life so we're just gonna match your life and not make you feel anything other than what you're feeling already see as a single person I have been single for a very long time I mean I've had relationships but I've never been married I am in my 30s my mid 30s and I can't okay I understand the mindset he's over that mindset now it's been five years (laughs) yeah no but like I um as a single person watching other people be heroic and great and fall in love does not diminish me and I feel so sorry for people who feel diminished by other people's success um I can understand that in like I look like I mean I decided a long time ago that I was never going to be bitter when somebody like when one of my friends got engaged because first of all my best friend of all time since birth got engaged when she was 19 got married when she was 20 (laughs) like had her first kid at like I think 21 like or maybe she got married at 19 and and got her first kid at 20 like and and I had never even had a boyfriend at that point in my life, you know, and the first guy that I fell in love with, uh, ended up, we ended things really badly. And then, um, I had more people. I mean, my community of people was single people. And so constantly they were getting married. And even you, I introduced you, (laughs) like you came with me to an activity and met, the man that is your husband. And that has happened for me several times. I have introduced people to, you know, their eternal partner and helped people do their weddings. I have helped my ex-boyfriends do their weddings. I, I am generally happy for people because I decided back when I was 19 and my best friend was getting married that I was not going to ever think less of myself because my journey was different than somebody else's and I am now like that was when I was 19 I am now 35 and I'm still not married and yet I'm okay 
watching other people be successful. I'm okay. Like I am an author. And when I know somebody who has a book and they have book success and they get an agent and I've been trying to get an agent for so long and I'm frustrated, like, yeah, it frustrates me a little bit, but I had to make a, like a conscious decision to be happy for people because their success in no way impacts me. And I think that so many people nowadays are just not taught that, like they don't make that decision that you, they have that mentality of, I can't be happy. I can't share my happiness because other people don't have the same happiness. And that is just a very diminishing um, mindset. And it doesn't, it's um, like in a Bible verse, um, don't hide your light under a bushel. You let it shine forth and light the whole house. Like I remember there's a, there's a whole long poem about poem about that. That is basically like you have to shine your own light so that other people have permission to shine their light. People mm-hmm. think that if you shine bright, then you're diminishing other people, but you're not, you're giving them the permission to be that way. And that is like been my mantra. Seeing this trend in movies of like so many Disney princesses don't have princes anymore. And so many movies are not about um, heroes that are infallible. It's all about, oh, the gray characters. And it's all about the um, relatable evil guy and the um, fallen hero. And, you know, Everybody wants to feel like, or everybody says that they want to see the hero fall. Like that's the whole Spider-Man thing, right? Is they love to see a hero fall. That's not actually true. People love to try and tear down heroes, but when they don't succeed, that actually makes them happy. Like people don't think that it does because it's not what people say, but they've proven like in studies and stuff. And and I've lived that life. Like I've had so many, I mean, I don't drink and I don't um, smoke. And I remember when I was in school, people were like, oh, like I'm like by the end of, by the end of this year, I'm going to get you to drink and I'm going to get you to smoke. And then when they didn't and they weren't successful, like you would think that they would be mad. Like, oh, well, you're such a snob or you're so stuck up. No, they admired me that much more and they liked me that much more because I was true to who I was. And the other people that let go of who they were in order to please people, those were the ones that everybody lost respect for. Well, yeah, no one likes, nobody really like pushovers or people who've given to peer pressure that easily or people who are truly maybe not narcissists but there's something wrong in the brain if they really want to be only around people who will follow every single thing they say is cool or that they want them to do or anything there's something not quite clicking brain if those are the only people you want to be around so it makes sense that if you stand for your standards even if it's they're not not their standards they respect you because they know who you are now. Yeah. Well, and I have a story and I won't mention any names of any people because of, but so I know this couple and um, the man in this couple, um, he drank and they got married and everything. He was an alcoholic and his family was very um, against religion, specifically um, his wife's religion. And she, uh, he, had brothers and the brothers um, 
were also alcoholics and really struggling with alcohol, but um, they were still functioning, like functioning alcoholics, but definitely addicted. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, she stuck that, you know, the wife stuck to her standards. She never faltered anything like that. Um, and then the brother was like, I want something like that too. So he married someone of the same faith, right? Married. I don't know if they got married. He was dating someone. <laughs> he was dating someone um, of the same faith and um, the same thing happened, right? Like the family pressured her and um, told her that, you know, like he wasn't going to be with her for very long if she didn't give in to this and she didn't start drinking or doing, you know, smoking pot or whatever it was that they were doing. Um, if she didn't give in, she was going to lose him. And so she gave in and um, after all of the peer pressure that had happened from, you know, these two boys family, you know, the one, the one girl stayed strong and was true to herself and her standards and, and whatever your standards are. I'm just using drinking as um, the example. Um, Cause that was in this story. She stuck to her standards and this new girl did not. And um, the brother was just like, I don't, I don't want her. And he broke up with her divorced or whatever um, because it wasn't he he thought that he just wanted that faith you know like he just wanted somebody in that religion but he didn't want them to have this this that high standard that hotty toddy attitude but the fact of the matter was he wanted somebody who had standards you know and when he you know got with someone of that faith he thought that's what he was getting because that was what his sister-in-law did um, and then when she you know someone he wanted to be a pillar for him she crumbled and she gave in to peer pressure and because of that and I'm not saying he did the right thing I'm just saying that that's what people do is they they try to pull you down they try to discourage you they try to you know make you the fallen hero they try to get you to lower your standards and they'll tell you oh like it's important that you lower your standards. It's important that you change who you are. It's important that you do this because otherwise you're, you're not going to fit in or you're not going to be a part of this community or you're not good enough for this or whatever it is. Like they try to convince you of that. But the fact of the matter is they respect you more. And I know that's so cliche to say is, Oh, he'll respect you more if you don't like it's legitimate. <laughs> like it's a real thing. And it's not just in relationships. Like this is a relationship with alcohol and stuff like that. But it's legitimately, anytime you cave on your standards, you are letting people know that you didn't actually believe in those or you didn't actually have enough faith in yourself, in your standards. Like those standards were there because it was convenient. Mm -hmm. And once they weren't, once they weren't convenient, they were gone. And that doesn't show a really strong, true character and, People love to see heroes fall, but they actually love to see strong moral people that they can look up to way more than somebody that they can push over. And I know we always get preachy on this podcast and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry, but I feel very strongly about this because I've seen it so many times in my life and it's in movies now, like studios are bowing to this idea that people um, don't want to see heroes. They don't want to see good win over evil. They don't want to see that 
but it's not true. They say they don't want to see it because it's so cliche. But look at Maverick. Like, look at movies that actually stick to that. Look at TV shows or music or things like that that actually inspire people or that give hope to people or that have somebody that they can look up to. And you don't have to have the perfect hero. Like, Maverick is very much not perfect. (laughs) Like, that's a whole part of the show. Um, But I feel like we go so far as to, like, with Thor, um, Love and Thunder, we love Thor because he's in, he's, you know, the, the way he talks is so, like, you know, the brotherhood and another and, you know, like all of the, the fancy <laughs> talking and stuff. And we love that about him. And it's like this um, grandiose, like naivete kind of a thing. Um, but then when you take away the substance of it and it's like, then you lose it, you know, like you took away what made Thor Thor, which one was Loki, but also was like his ability put other people before himself was a hard thing for him to learn. And instead of they, they just kind of they went with the oblivious and like pushed into the the naive rather than um, letting him stay strong. And I mean, they kind of do, but they not really you know like I think like that's one of the reasons why I don't like Thor Love and Thunder is because it's a little bit of character assassination mm-hmm. with Thor because well, go ahead oh sorry you can finish your sentence as um it's a little bit of character assassination with Thor because of what he went through in the first film he changed his character but rather than having him continue to grow they focus on the fact like on his grief but they have his grief be funny instead of aspire inspiring you know what i mean yeah i was gonna say i remember watching it was either an interview or behind the scenes or something with tom hiddleston about the first thor movie and kenneth branagh who if you don't know who he is is he also played the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor in Harry Potter 2. Yeah. Lockhart. Lockhart, yes. Gilderoy Lockhart. He also is a very, very famous Shakespearean actor. He knows a lot about Shakespeare. And Tom Hiddleston was talking about how great it is to, for Kenneth Brown to be directing the movie because he knows so much about Shakespeare. And really, this was very much like a Shakespeare play or a Shakespeare story not just because of the way they talked but a family, a royal family specifically being torn apart and having to learn and grow and betrayal and everything and then they make the joke about Shakespeare in the park Iron Man in the Avengers when he chases after Thor and Loki you know wearing my mother's drapes yeah (laughs) but it's true that Thor kind of represented this old fashioned which I, I'm kind of sad it's considered masculinity, hero, heroism, heroism, however you say that word. Heroism. And ga- gallantry and all these things that I really, really love. I am almost a little, 
not not quite obsessed, but I really, really love the whole idea of knights and princesses and castles and dragons. I love movies like that. I want to see more movies with knights and princesses and dragons and castles and not just Shrek, which my daughter loves and watches a lot. Although Shrek is a fun movie. I want something for adults. It's more not turning it on its head. I like the idea of gallantry and me saying that doesn't mean I want women to appear weak or if they're not able to do anything. I think that's wholly untrue to think that because they're royalty or because there's a knight in the story or in the story, you can't have strong women. Look at Jane, look at Darcy, look at Lady Sif, look at Thor's mother. They're all very strong female characters. But they had this old-fashioned idea of masculinity, of gallantry, of what a hero was like. And what I feel was the core of Thor. And like you said, instead of going with that core, they went for this completely different direction. Yeah. And it just didn't work out well. Where I didn't see much of Thor in Love and Thunder. There were a couple scenes, but overall no not really they really were making a mockery in some sense of him and not not just putting him in a comedy you can put someone like Thor in a comedy and it could be funny but they made fun of him and the way he was and just a lot of a lot of jokes that his that wouldn't fly if they were jokes about women because people were touchy about that and I really really despise double standards if you think something's funny you should think it's funny end of story <laughs> you shouldn't I, be oh it's funny if it's a man but not if it's a woman I, I I'm a huge I, I'm very much against double standards my husband pokes fun at me all the time and teases me by pretending to have double standards about things and then seeing how I react <laughs> but I love that so sad that they kind of took that away and I think part of it just following the trend of thinking people wanted to see heroes fall, especially the more old fashioned they were, because the next person that we have is Captain America, who I think really embodies everything you were saying at the very beginning of this episode of what heroes were in older movies, 1950s and earlier, even 1990s and earlier, really into early 2000s. Someone who was very virtuous. He stuck to his standards. He stood up for what was right. He was, just a good person who did what was right, who was brave. He was one of the people who, had he been living in Europe, they believed high Jews would have. Most everyone would love to loves to say that they would have been one of those people who who would have helped hide Jews and other minorities. Mm-hmm. In reality, most of us would not have. Most people would not have, because out out of fear, out of fear for your family. Or because you actually believed what they were being taught because what was being taught because that's the culture in which you were raised. Captain America would have. That's how good of a person he was. He would have risked his life and potentially his family's life to help others. I don't think they ruined him or made a mockery or anything of him, but around the edges as time goes on as he lives in the modern world. And I yeah. still don't know exactly how I feel about that. <laughs> I I don't like it. And I was glad. I mean, I know a lot of people don't love the ending of his story. And I don't necessarily love it either. Because I think there's a lot of it that doesn't make sense. And yeah. there's plot holes that they need to fix. But 
Yeah. I do. I was actually glad that they ended his story because I can see like that they, you know, using Captain America as, you know, the dark, like his suit gets darker, his uh, mannerisms get rougher and things like that. And he is, but they, I don't think that they ever lost it, but I feel like had they had, especially with Disney and stage four and five, like I'm sure they would have ruined it. You know, like I am positive they would have gone too far. So I was glad that it ended when it did because watching what's come out since that movie, I am just like, uh, I'm not, I'm not appalled or anything. I just, I'm not impressed. I'm not inspired. Like I was so inspired and Captain America and Thor were two of my like least favorite comic book characters um, from the Avengers and stuff like that, because Captain America, he was always the leader, but, and I, I never understood why, because he was so (laughs) self-righteous. And so I never really liked him in the comic books or in the cartoons. um, Cause I watched the cartoons more than I read the comics, but in the, in the, cartoons he was so obnoxious but when they put when they when the movie came out and when Avengers came out I got it you know like his self-righteousness was so endearing because it came from I am taking responsibility for this because I have the like I know that I can do this, therefore I'm going to because it's the right thing to do. And I loved that. And slowly over time, he gets darker and you're supposed to realize that he's losing a little bit of his faith. He's losing a little bit of his um, humanity um, and his patriotism, which is a huge part of who he is. And so um, had they continued with Captain America, I can 100% say that they would have ruined him so I was glad that his story ended and as much as I love Chris Evans as Captain America and I really want to see like I want to see more of him I don't trust Disney with that character anymore because especially of what they've done to Thor I love Thor and like I said I didn't love Thor in in the cartoons of the comic books because again he was one of those annoying characters that just didn't really um understand like I don't know he just didn't really connect but when I saw the first Thor movie I loved it because um it was shot one it was shot like a comic book um all of the camera angles were done in very comic book style and it was just a cute movie I do think we've talked about Thor and how like how the story goes a little too fast for me but yeah I just think it's there's there's so much good in it and he is such a good character and watching Thor Love and Thunder it's like a parody you know like somebody took that character and made a parody of him instead of sticking with it and and they did it a little bit in Ragnarok like we talked about um but I feel like Ragnarok didn't go too far like it was right at the line Mm-hmm. Um, and then Love and Thunder definitely went too far. And Honestly. and I've only watched it once. Maybe if I watch it again, thinking it's so ridiculous that I'll love it. But um, <laughs> I have a theory, and I might have shared this theory before when talking about Star Wars because it's the exact same theory for the Star Wars prequels. George mm-hmm. Lucas came up with a great idea for six, but there were people there to be filters, and people yeah. stood up to him and said, "You know what? I don't think that really works." For example. Harrison Ford, who plays Han Solo, 
he originally his line when he's going to be frozen in carbonite and Leia says, I love you. His original line was to say, I love you back. He said, I don't think Khan would say that. And he had a director who was not George Lucas. And the director said, okay, you know, do what you want. And he said, I know. Mm -hmm. And that became iconic. He knew his character. He's able to not talk back, but be able to collaborate in a bit. And Star Wars, massively successful and people waited decades for the prequels and i think what happened is they all bowed down to george lucas and said whatever you want we're not going to say no you're the mastermind behind star wars you made this great franchise and he didn't have enough filters and i mean meaning people to be to filter his creativity because you can be really good and really creative and throw too many things out and you need someone to kind of focus your creativity i think that's what happened with taika Waititi. i hope i said his name correct i'm so sorry if i didn't but he did it he a lot of people loved 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 ragnarok it was a breath of fresh air it was fun he's done a lot of other movies that i haven't personally seen but i've heard only good things about jojo rabbit i've heard good things about movies i haven't seen them personally he was he was on a roll and so they did the george lucas thing with him but also put him on a time crunch at the same time because his quantity over quality, just crunch it out. So he had a time crunch. And in my personal opinion, I could be very wrong, not enough filters and people to help focus and filter out when it was too much and keep it just where it needed to be. So he threw a ton of stuff in it. No one filtered, no one focused. And then this is what you have. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, as a writer, you have to have editors, you know, and I can tell when a story is done because it's been edited, you know, and I feel like in the movie business, you have to have editors, you have to have filters. And, and sadly with the movie, there's so many stages. Like they talk about, like there's five different films. It's like the film you write, um, the film you shoot (laughs) and the film you edit and the film you edit again, you know, like all all the different stages of, of filming. Um, Once you've cast it, it changed. Once you write it and then when you start to get your budget, you change it. And then when you get casting, you change it. And then when you get to post, you change it. And so you have to have editors and people watching the plot that through every single stage, because if you write it and it's beautiful, but then when you get your budget, it's like, okay, we got to chop a bunch of this because, you know, special effects can't afford it or whatever. And then you get to casting and you cast it or, or you can't find the right locations or something. And then you cast it and those actors have a better idea of this character than, than what is written. And so you'd be like, okay, well, we're going to change it. You have to have people there who are like, okay, but if you change that, you're going to make this whole, or you're going to go too far, or you're going to, you know, like you have to have people editing all the way along the way. And then when you are finished filming, you have to edit it. Um, literally like edit it and you have to make sure that it all makes sense and if it doesn't you have to do reshoots and all that stuff like it's a whole big thing but if you don't have like if you have people watching your shoulder when you write the script but then they go away as soon as you cast or they go away after you cast or they go away after you're done filming like there has to be people there watching the story the entire time and that and we know that that is possible we've seen really good movies but yeah, it's the same 
it's the same problem. It's just when people don't have somebody that is telling them this doesn't work, this is too much. You know, like if you don't have that little voice in your head or that literal little executive or producer <laughs> telling you what to do, then you can go too far. And that's what happened here is it became a caricature rather than the character. Anyway, sorry, we have been talking for an hour and a half and um, we are so grateful for everybody who is listening. Um, Do you have any other final thoughts, Laura? I do. Two movies, one of which I think everyone in the world has heard and another that's my favorite that I think very few people have heard of. If you watch a good movie, one would be The Princess Bride, one of the best movies ever. It hits like it hits just about every genre. It's just a good movie. As far as family appropriate, depends on what you're okay with your kids watching their ages and their mature. But it's a dang good movie. I love it. In fact, I want to go watch it now. And the second movie is an older film, 30s or 40s. It would be late 30s or early 40s, if I remember correctly. It's in black and white. It's called A Philadelphia Story. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn and... Jimmy Stewart. You cannot go wrong with that cast. And I can't, I don't even, I can't describe the plot very simply. You have to watch it, but it's really funny. It's really fantastic. One of my favorites, A Philadelphia Story and Princess Bride. Those are my two movie recommendations if you just want to watch a good movie and just have a bit of escapism for a while. Nice. Um... I think that's everything. Uh, we will go ahead and end it here. Do you have any movies um, to recommend, Taya? What about you? Do you have what, what two movies would you recommend to people? Oh goodness! <laughs> I mean, I feel like we talk about them all the time. Is the is the problem? I'm like, well, Pirates of the Caribbean one, The Mummy, Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun Maverick. I like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. A lot of people don't like it, though. But that's okay. I love things that people hate. I'm still me. Um, (laughs) Really good movies. (coughs) Sorry. I know. I'm I'm like, I want to get on my phone and, like, Google all the movies that I've ever watched. Um, But I think, like, as far as old movies... um, I like Elvis movies. I would recommend anything that Elvis did. Um... Clam Bake is really fun. I like Jailhouse Rock, but I, I will admit that it's not the best um, told story. Uh, but he looks really cute in that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, really, really most of the famous um, Elvis movies I would recommend because they're just fun. Um, the funniest one, ridiculous, is um, Double Trouble. I highly recommend it. Not many people know about it because it wasn't super famous. And it has, I mean, it's about a girl who's um, not, she's 17 and pretending to be older. So it's a little risque in that way um, because she falls in love with Elvis, who's obviously in his early 20s and she's only 17. Um, But when he finds that out, he like breaks up with her and the whole movie is her trying to convince him to marry her. And it's, but it's so funny. Um, yeah, so I would I'd recommend Elvis movies. And uh, what about John and Wayne I, movies? 
I do love John Wayne movies. Um, so. <laughs> uh, good old John Wayne. So John Wayne is one of those actors who I really have a lot of respect for because people like to criticize the fact that he pretty much played himself and he played the same character over and over and over again. But what I thought was, I think is amazing is just the fact that people wrote scripts for him. Like people wrote movies around him and when you can be that successful doing the same thing over and over to where you know an entire genre movie is built around you I just love it and I would recommend um oh what's the one with the kid so many but I was gonna oh is it the one where he rescued the, the searchers or the no um but that one's good too but I like um McClintock is funny. McClintock is hilarious. Um, that is yeah. a truly funny movie. And Maureen O'Hara is hilarious in that movie. She is so she is another one that is like uh, a very strong female character in whatever she's in. She's just such a strong female um, persona. So Maureen well, O'Hara, John Wayne, Elvis, <laughs> all of that, really good. And I'm going to recommend Robin Hood Prince of Thieves because I just like it. And (laughs) it has, it has Kevin Costner. um, And it is very. uh, And Alan Rickman in one of his first, not his very first role, I don't think. But it was one of his first. It is one of his first roles and it has Morgan Freeman in it. And yeah, he really, I mean, it's just a good movie. It's so cheesy and whatever, but I love it. So yeah, those would be anything with John Wayne, especially McClintock, anything with Elvis, especially Double Trouble and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So there you go. If you need some escapism, look those movies up and watch them. And let's see. So yeah, um, go ahead and check us out on our social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook and obviously YouTube where we have um, our short film on there. And you can support us on Patreon. It's Taya Joy Flake slash or Patreon slash uh, Taya Joy Flake. And um, the two tiers with our logo, our beautiful tree. Um, either one, you can either support this podcast or you can support our YouTube channel. All the money goes back into our company and to bringing you guys awesome content <laughs> like this podcast where we preach at you about <laughs> the movies we like and we don't. Um, <laughs> but we and, talk like this in our real life, Taya. Come on. <laughs> this is our conversation. Well, that's, like, that's why we can't escape it. No matter what conversation we are having, we always end up being preachy because we preach to ourselves. Like that's just oh, yeah. who we are. Is we're like, we need to be better at this. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah this is how we need to be better on this. This is why we need to be better at this. So don't think yeah. that we're preaching to just you. We are definitely preaching to ourselves. We're having well. <laughs> in speaking them aloud as we do so. So it sounds preachy to you, but really we're just telling ourselves how we need to <laughs> do and be better. Exactly. And and for this week, we want to do and be better by uh, keeping our standards of whatever they are in storytelling in our everyday lives in our religious beliefs in our um societal beliefs whatever it is 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 to really understand why you believe something and then it's so easy to stick to it as opposed to doing something just because you know like 
And we can see, we can see the fallout in media and the standards of media when people lower their standards just to uh, appease. And we see that with Disney constantly just trying to appease everybody. And it's really showing a lack of, of dignity and a lack of um, character. Creativity. Yeah. So anyway, thank you guys so much. We really in, are so grateful for all of your support. Uh, I think that's everything. I am Taya. I'm Laura. Bye. Bye.